Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast. Coming up tonight, we talk about the latest from the under-19s and under-17s and Big Footy's finest experts run us through the grand final teams and their draft prospects. All that and more, coming right up. And good evening and good evening ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast. I am of course the Wookie and uh, while unfortunately noted Levi Casbolt fan and part-time podcast expert PM Bangers has bailed on us at the last minute, joining me tonight are some of the true legends of the Big Footy Draft and Trading Board and the true MVPs of this podcast, without whom this series would not have been made possible. Uh, good evening Pie for Life and Modern Artillery. It's evening, good to Wookie. be here. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Great start, as usual. Is your voice, uh, your voice breaking there? <laughs> I know, I'm already laughing. It's already going well. Um, no, really good to be here. Um, sad that, uh, you know, PM Bangers can't be here, but no surprise to see someone GWS-related not showing up for a grand final, so. <laughs> now, guys... Oh, sorry, there's uh, no seven fans out there that are listening. <laughs> now, guys, uh, the grand final on the weekend, Melbourne uh, winning a well-deserved and long-awaited flag. You guys watch the grand final? Yeah, I caught it. Um, it's a pretty good game, actually, for the most part. I think for the first sort of two and a half quarters, I was uh, sort of pretty engaged, and then uh, Melbourne sort of kicked away, and it was sort of a um, bit of a blowout in the end. But, yeah, at least we got two and a half quarters of good footy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um I was quite annoyed at first because I went to settle in, you know, just relax in the study, watch off my phone and realise I couldn't. So I had to go back out into the lounge room and watch off Channel 7, which was rather frustrating because I like watching the footy while I'm sort of on the laptop and everything, just that. But, of course, you don't want to make it accessible or anything. So, um, yeah, I had to go back out there and had to tune in. And at that stage, the dogs were up by a few goals. I thought, all right, yeah, cool. So, um, looks like they're in control now. They got all the momentum, and then suddenly Melbourne went, yeah, bang, and we know what happened from there. So, you know, um, being able to kick 16 goals to one uh, in a row in a grand final is bloody impressive. So I think that, um, yeah, it, it, it was a way to sort of end that drought. And I think for Melbourne fans, it was good because it's been so long have that like last quarter, or certainly if not the last quarter, then certainly five minutes into the last quarter where they kicked the first few. Um to be able to then enjoy the last 25 minutes after all the you know crap they've been through over the last mm. two decades um, would have been really, really good. And obviously longer than that, but particularly the, the dark times in the last two decades. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great to see for Melbourne fans, I think. Mm. And if I remember rightly, uh, I don't think I got my predictions right for the grand final. Obviously, Matt Stevie not winning the Norm Smith um, but if I if, if I if I've got this right, and I missed the I missed the post game celebrations, but Basil Zemplis won the flag. Is that right? I think so. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Um, who knows? Who you don't want to give the coach a chance to speak though. Like, <laughs> let's be honest, he's not important in there. But, so, um, yeah, I mean, there are things that could definitely be done better uh, in regards to the AFL Grand Final. I think one of them mm. being back in Melbourne. Um, but you know, um, they they turned it on and. It ended up being a pretty good night um, from that perspective, but I, I definitely like, I'm definitely traditionalist. I like the day, so mm. um, yeah, it's 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 done and dusted. Congrats to Melbourne, and 
be interesting to see what happens to them next year if they can keep it up or if someone else will catch them again. I think it'll be a competitive year, so that should be good. Awesome. Now, I don't want people thinking that uh, we're some sort of relevant news uh, podcast for footy, so let's move on to what we're here for. Um, and uh, the under-19s, WA, uh, SA, played a pre-game before the grand final, I believe. How did we uh, how did we watch that? Yeah, well, we were able to watch that on a, a tiny little screen, um, which we had to zoom in on. But, you know, when we were able to see it, it was pretty good. Um, and, I mean, it ended up being a, a cracker of a game because, to be honest, it looked like... Um, WA were going to sort of run away with it again um, like they did in the first time that they had it. And SA just sort of kept chipping away. I know um, Blaine O'Loughlin was fantastic for SA, Crows NGA prospect. Um, he won the best on for them. Um, Matthew Johnson for WA won it overall. Um, basically what happened was it, it looked like SA weren't going to um, fire too many shots. And then so they just kept coming and coming and coming. And they ended up hitting the uh, the front with a behind uh, late in the sort of game with about 90 seconds, two minutes left on the clock. And he thought, surely not, they're not going to take it from here. And it, it rushed down the other end. And Jacob Van Ruin, who's sort of played in defence the whole game, was found it and kicked a goal. He has played forward, obviously, before, but it was it was a bit odd. It would kind of be, um, you know, it'd be kind of like, you know, Zane Cordy coming up there. He's, he's a lot better, I should say. But, I mean, like, in that sense that someone who's played that defence the whole time, you're like, what what on earth is he doing down there? And, um, yeah, he obviously pushed forward to try and be that marking target once he saw the game on the line and, and kicked the winning goal, which was fantastic. And the siren went a little bit longer, so a little bit after that. So um, I thought the game was quite impressive. Um, Nazai Wangani Malira, of course, fantastic again for SA. He's, he's just so classy. Uh, it was without a lot of the talent, Horn Francis, Roberts, Burgoyne, uh, Warner, Williams, a few names uh, that you've heard uh, aren't there. Erasmus, of course. I, I think you know him, Wookie. You might have mentioned well, him. I vaguely heard podcast. of Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, you know, it was a, a little bit under strength, all of these uh, guys. But, you know, um, and then obviously there was Amos and, and Draper who got injured as well. So there was quite a bit through that that, um, yeah. Like it wasn't as full strength as it could have been, but it certainly um, caught caught attention. Um, anyway, that's what I thought. Um, modern artillery. What do you think of the game? Yeah, pretty much covered it really well there. Just a couple other names that I thought were really good. I think Matthew Johnson won the the best on ground for WA. He was pretty much his typical self. He won a fair bit of the footy and was pretty classy by foot. So I thought he was really good. Um, Arthur Jones and Jamal Stretch from WA sort of caught my eye as well. I think they had three goals between them and and had some pretty like catching moments as well so they were really good and then Isaiah Dudley from South Australia kicked three goals and his pressure in the forward half was pretty quality too so I was pretty impressed with the way that he went about it and sort of turned back the clock to some of the stuff that he'd done sort of in the under 16s champs as well a few years ago so um, some just a couple of extra names there that sort of uh, caught the eye and I thought were pretty impressive. Now uh, Queensland's under 19s beat the Tasmanian under 19s guys um, not as big a stage but how did we go with that? Yeah, so on, on paper, that was a close two-point game. But in reality, uh, I don't know how it got to be a two-point game, to be honest, uh, because Queensland were absolutely away to the races. Like, they were miles ahead. Never, you know, as he really never looked like hitting them. They, they were struggling to score, everything like that. Then all of a sudden, they kicked a late goal in the third quarter and piled on six of the next seven goals out of nowhere after being 
basically I think it got to about 35 points behind and all of a sudden almost within range and uh, it wasn't the greatest of games to be honest uh, in terms of uh, you know the the skill level teams were missing uh, their better players Sam Banks the best Tasmanian was out Bodie Uland was out uh, Austin Harris uh, was out so they're both Queenslanders um, probably two of their better players and uh, of course they're you know all missing so it was left up to a lot of others uh, to sort of stand up so um, you know the 19 year olds if you like you uh, Ollie Sanders Ollie Davis and Sam Collins were basically nearly dragged them over the line uh, at, at the end and um, it, it was quite funny towards the end of the game because it, it had been really really scrappy and then it suddenly just went up a notch in that last quarter um, and in a fitting end, we had two out on the fools for both sides. It, it was it was just very fitting because the first shot on goal of the day was out on the full, and then Queensland had a chance to win it. They kicked it out on the full. End-to-end play, which in theory is exciting for a set shot after the siren, the final siren, that also went out on the full or, or fell short. So it, it was just fantastic to sort of wrap it up like that. It, it was just sort of fitting. So... Um, they're going to go and combine and uh, play SA. Of course, they're normally the allies. So um, NT did play with Queensland in this. The, the few prospects they've got through the academy, Ned Stevens, for example. Um, and yeah, Tassie and Queensland are going to combine to go play SA. Uh, and SA, if they want to go full strength, uh, because obviously we know South Adelaide got knocked out. So Horn, Francis, Roberts, obviously they'll probably be without Draper, but... Um, Horn Francis Roberts could come back in and, and some of the others uh, that were out. Um, but if they do that, then very me. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully some of the others can come back for Tassie Queensland because I think SA are going to do a number on them <laughs> is the nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, pretty much. And Modern Artillery, did you see this game or...? I haven't seen the game, but I'm sure you can read a little bit more about it on AFL Draft Central. Um, just a little cheap plug there. <laughs> Why not? And uh, South Australia had an under-17 trial game uh, over the weekend. How did we go with that? Yep. Uh, that was another tight one. Uh, team Blue uh, defeated Team Yellow by four points. Uh, obviously, that won't mean anything to any listeners. Um, but I just thought I'd say that um, for the sake of it. They both had chances to win. Yellow hit the front um, late in the game. Uh, Kobe Ryan was absolutely s- spectacular throughout the whole match and it looked like they were going to get up. And, and then Nick Sadler obviously won the game for Team Blue right at the end, charged out of the centre, kicked a goal. So it was absolutely outstanding uh, in the last sort of final moments uh, in that match. And this is the whole thing. Like, SA's got a strong crop throughout and they generally do each year. So... No surprise to see there's quite a few that are quite impressive there. And, of course, a number of the 17s were playing up at the 19s level too because of the emissions. So I do remember that looking uh, leading into this game, we were taking tips, and uh, two of the podcast favourites, PM Bangers and EDPS, both said it was going to be a blowout to Team Yellow. Um, but according to the score, that looks like it's the way it is. It looks like Team Blue won. So, um, yeah, you know. They, they can't be good at everything, but, you know, I guess that's why he didn't want to come on the podcast this week. <laughs> Overall, though, um, yeah, look, there's some great um, prospects that are coming through. As we said, Sadler, um, Tyson Walls was good for Blue. Jack Deline, um, Mats and Barnett were a couple of promising tools. 
Um, Will Rollins, Alex Holt, and Austin McDonald through the midfield as well. Some of the other ones for, for yellow. Um, and yeah, so it, it was quite a good good hit out in the end. And of course, then we got to see Jason Horn Francis light it up in the uh, the game after. So it was it was a good night for the uh, draft prospects this year and next. Awesome. So let's get into the meat of why we're here this evening. And uh, the Western Bulldogs, who obviously finished second on the weekend, uh, Ling John retired. Um, at the time these notes were made, no other confirmed list changes had been made. Uh, so what do they need, guys? And uh, how do they go about getting it? Well, obviously the dogs will add Sam Darcy as a father's son. It'll be interesting to see where they actually play him, given they've already got some pretty talented key forwards on their list. Uh, coming off a grand final, I'm not sure there's some glaringly obvious needs. I think if they can add another key position defender, then there'd definitely be some value in that. So they might choose to play Darcy there, or they, they might choose to address that through um, through other means. So I do wonder if there's value adding to that midfield group too. I know that sounds weird given how deep that midfield group is, but I wonder if their salary cap can afford to keep all of them there because... Someone's going to come with a monster offer for Bailey Smith and with Lipinski likely heading to Collingwood and Lin John retiring and, and Dunkley out of contract next year, I think, at, at the end of... Yeah, sorry, at the end of next year, there's maybe some opportunity to add some cheap depth, um, which might sort of help out in the long term. So, um, And then I think if you can get another dynamic small forward type to partner Waitman and to put some pressure on Vandermeer and the likes of Rourke Smith and those types, then, then that could be a good addition too. So... Given they don't have a lot of selections and what they do have might be chewed up by by matching the Darcy bid, we're probably looking at really late draft and maybe rookie options. Um, so you're, you're probably really just taking a stab in the dark here this late. But some small forward options, maybe Jamal Stretch from WA might be worth a look. He certainly has talent and it'd be interesting to see what he could do in a professional environment. It, it was like Cooper Merley might be sliding, maybe not that far, but could he be there that late? And then just some midfield options. I think Hugh Stagg out of South Australia has some fans. I've really liked what James Tunstall from Western Australia has done over the last sort of month or two. And and maybe Kate Didmar might be there a bit late out of WA as well. So there might be a few options for the dogs there to just have a have a crack late in the draft and maybe somewhere in the rookie draft as well. And and equally they could pluck a mature ager from a state league too, um, just to shore up their keeper key position defence options so a Sam Skinner out of South Australia has been playing for South Adelaide um, this year and been been pretty good in the final series and sort of the back end of the year when he got moved from forward to defence he might be an option as well as a delisted free agent so there's some options there um, they don't have a great to take to, to the national draft but maybe there's some opportunities to, to add some pieces late in the draft or even in the rookie draft as well Excellent uh, Pie for Life anything Dad? Yeah, I, I think that pretty much summarised it up. Um, yeah, I, th I think really if they try and get a you know, a, a small defender who might lock down on, on a opposition forward, I know a few times they away from them at uh, different points. Uh, you know, Charlie Cameron particularly during that uh, final series, pretty big one against them. Um, so I, I, I think that otherwise they're in a pretty good position. Um, having Sean Darcy walk in the door after getting Eugle Hagen last year, they're in a pretty good spot for tools. And um, it'll help with uh, Josh Bruce, who's obviously still coming back from that a late ACL he did uh, at the end of the year, basically. So he'll miss basically the entire year, I would imagine. 
Um, and yeah, I think that potentially they need to look at their midfield and going forward, whether someone ends up dropping out of that group. I do agree. I think it's going to be a bit of a tight squeeze in future. And I know Dunkley was one who wanted to go last year and they kept him and everything, but is he one that potentially goes in the future? Maybe. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play it out because, yeah, we know that salary cap will come from them, given that a lot of their players are, are, are proven sort of big names, if you like, through that midfield. And given that they're younger players and younger kids, a lot of them are sort of top draft picks. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when other clubs decide to, you know, open the checkbook for them. But, um, yeah, I, I think overall the Bulldogs have done pretty well. Mm. So... Uh, modern, uh, modern Artillery earlier spoke about Sam Darcy. Uh, what about Cody Rock from the uh, the next uh, Gen Academy? Yeah, so Cody's uh, a 19-year-old this year. I think he was eligible for last year's draft, but he's sort of that third tallish type defender. Um, he's a pretty quality user, and he can accumulate a fair bit off half-back. At times, particularly early in the year, I think he looked at a level above the NAB League. Um, and maybe he sort of tapered off a little bit towards that middle part of the year before we had the lockdown. But um, he's a good user of the footy, um, especially in time and space. He can um, hit targets out of defence. And, yeah, probably sits as sort of that third tall defender um, at the next level. and be. I'm sure he'd be... Um, in, in, in the vision of some of the Western uh, sorry some of the Western Bulldogs recruiters um, not sure if he'll get a look this year because he was one that probably could have done with a full year of footy this year but um, they'll be well aware of him and it'll be interesting to see if um, if not the Western Bulldogs if anyone else um, gives him an opportunity how, how many points are the dogs going to have to give up to get Sam Darcy it kind of depends on where the bid will come from um, I do actually have the uh, draft value index in front of me so i think it's a 20 percent discount you got that price yeah no no i was gonna say from memory i think it's three thousand points for pick one and then you get the 20 percent, and then 2400 for pick two off the top of my head yeah so it'll be around that mark there because you'd expect them to go sort of in in those first few picks so it's going to be a fair amount of points that they're going to have to to pay out for him but i think it'll be worth every little bit of them so we're not we're not expecting them to do much in the in the uh, lower to mid draft parts. I'd say it's unlikely at this stage. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. So, like for example, three thousand. Um, you know, twenty uh, percent of that is is, um, you know, twenty uh, two thousand four hundred. Um, as I was sort of saying. So, um, obviously, there's no reason I would have known those numbers off the top of my head. Um, but you know, in, in he could well go. I don't think he'll go pick one because you'd presume that. Um, if North do make a bid, it'll be on Dacos and, and Darcy will come after that. Um, I don't think it'll be any later than, say, pick three. Um, I would think that one of the clubs there will, will make them honest. Um, so, yeah, uh, they'll be preparing for that. And they got practice last year with Hagen. So, mm. um, yeah, they'll be preparing for that and, and know that they'll be pretty much wiped out of the draft. Uh, which makes it interesting to see what they do. But they've got to get through trade period mm. first, too. Alright, so uh, we have one question from the board. Uh, Welsh Merts would like to know who some of the prospects not being spoken about are and uh, that you think could make it. Well, I've got two of my favourites here and they're probably sitting mid to latest draft at the moment, but 
I don't think we've spoken about him on the podcast yet, but I quite like Miller Bergman. Um, he's no relation to Miles Bergman, but not a totally dissimilar player. He's probably around that 188 centimetre mark. Pretty light frame, but really good athlete. He can play either end. He flies for his marks, and he's a pretty good user by foot. And so I think there's a few different roles that he could play at AFL level. And, and once he adds a, a touch of size, I think he'll be able to really compete at the level. The other is Paul Curtis. I don't think we've spoken about him either, but I really like him as a prospect. He's a super crafty small forward. He's really strong in the lead, and he actually distributes to targets inside 50 pretty well uh, when he works up the ground. He probably needs to improve his set shot a bit, and he probably needs to apply himself a little bit more defensively, but he's a really smart footballer, and I think he's got every chance of making it at the level as well. Cool. All right, let's move on to the second team. And obviously, Melbourne won it all, so they don't need anybody. They're all good. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. We'll see you later. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, uh, so they won it all. Obviously, came first. Good on them. We've already congratulated them on that win. Neville Jetter and Nathan Jones have retired. Austin Bradkey, Jay Lockhart, Aaron Vandenberg, and Aaron Nitschke have all been delisted. Uh, so, I mean, what do they need to replace these gentlemen? Obviously, they don't really need anything if they've just won the flag, but uh, what do they need going forward? Yeah, I think from a Melbourne perspective, uh, as you sort of said, they don't really need anything other than to try and keep the list together. I think getting some depth in uh, would be handy. I think they've done pretty well in that regard. Obviously, Neville Jetter, I think, was a quality player uh, particularly later on in his career I, I don't think it would be uh, a miss to sort of go and, and get a similar type that could come in and maybe play that defensive role uh, similar to the dogs having that sort of more of a lockdown small defender potentially um, come in um, and then other than that like obviously you've seen they've got the key position options that they've been able to build with uh, you know Wiedemann staying now uh, that he's made that decision You've got Fritch uh, as that sort of third tall, if you like, and Tom McDonald, as, um, who's become a decoy, effectively, which has um, been able to get Fritch to be able to play as well as he has. They've got Jackson lined up for Gorn in terms of Ruck, uh, so they've already got that handover complete. They've got their small forwards now by bringing in Pickett. Um, so, like, in terms of their forward line, I think their forward line is perfect, the way they've got it. They've got smalls, mediums, and talls and they all look different so I think that mix is really really good the rucks bang they've got that midfield of course you know everyone talks about their midfield right now Petrarca Oliver uh, everything like that so I think from that perspective midfield forward is fine I, I can't see any holes there um, in the defence is probably if you're going to pick holes you might say in the defence um, they've got May and Lever obviously who uh, that that's your two keys um, ideally, do they want another one? Potentially, is that a fallback? Maybe. Um, but I think predominantly, probably a small defender, if anything. Um, you've got your attacking one, Salem, who um, you know is, is able to do so well off there and, and whatnot. But I think another one, they've got Hibbert, of course, as well, I should mention. But um, I think just a, a defensive defender to come in. And other than that, I think that pretty much it's just depth to, to fill out and... Um, to the draft which is a really great position to be in so um, for me I definitely think that they don't need a lot and if they did have to press it would be in their defensive half okay um, according to uh, my questions that I need to ask here should the D's look at trading into this year's first round like they did last year yes yeah, so uh, I, I think that 
potentially they probably don't need to if I'm honest, the only reason they would is obviously targeting MacAndrew because he's a part of their NGA and they're not going to get him without a top pick. But I also don't think that they can afford to really give away too much because um, even if they offer up, let's say, next round, next year's first rounder, no one's going to give up a top 10 pick for that because where they're standing now, it's pick 18. It doesn't mean it's going to be that. It could well be pick 13, 14, whatever it is. Um, but it's not going to be a, a top five, top six pick, which is realistically what they're going to need to, to assure to get Andrew, really. Um, so I, I can't see them doing it without being detrimental to their list. So I think that, yeah, they could do it, but if I was them, I probably wouldn't. Um, the only reason you would is if you had a player that wanted to leave that was of that value um, and that you could trade with your first rounder next year to get a high first rounder this year. But given that Mac Andrew is a, a you know a development project ruck um, that and and can play forward I feel like he's not a need for them clearly because you know that's two of their strengths and also a club that is targeting him will be getting him for a specific need so by getting in another player and a pick it doesn't necessarily improve their list either and what yeah, about I think Sorry, go sorry. On. I think they would. No, you're right. I think they would have conceded on Mac Andrew now, unfortunately, which is a bit of a shame. But I actually quite like their position. Um, I think they've got 33, 42, and 54, and I think that's a really good position to go into draft night to look to maybe just move up into that earlier second round if they see a guy that they like that's sort of sliding a little bit. So perhaps it's not they're not likely to move into the first round pre-draft but maybe as the as the draft goes on and with live trading now they might have the assets to sort of move up those few extra spots and and pounce on someone that they like that's sort of sliding in the draft and and melbourne uh, they've, they've released a lot of videos um over the sort of last two years about um some of the conversations they've had in their war room on draft night that are really interesting and i can imagine some of those guys would be really eager to sort of pounce on some talent that's sort of sliding into into their range with with those selections all right so you spoke about mac andrew there for a bit what about tajwo woden what, what's his story uh well he's over obviously in the uh the waffle um playing out there so he's obviously not at the same end as as mac andrew he's definitely later on in the draft he's probably actually come on a lot this year because i think um over the last few years he was someone who you knew about him but he didn't necessarily um you know wasn't necessarily talked up as a, as a draft prospect per se um but now he's sort of that late to rookie type in, in my opinion so that going on so i mean and of course with father sons you can match at any stage and if they are interested in him he's someone who i think that won't cost them much which is um important for the d's um again it, it really just comes down to whether or not he's um you know what they're, they're kind of going for he's about you know that early 180s about that 182 or so um he's been playing out at sort of the the colts for east free i think he captained them um out there and he's he's sort of been pretty consistent all year winning the sort of 20 odd touches each week and, um everything like that so like from my perspective he's just been a really consistent sort of ball winner um i i, I wouldn't guarantee that he's going to get picked up but i if he's someone that they think that could add to their list then certainly um he, he certainly got the ability that he could keep improving based on what he's done this year but um the benefit for them is it's not going to cost them much uh in my opinion so uh 
that's pretty good for my end. What do you think, modern artillery? Yeah, a bit the same. I don't think he really does a lot wrong. He kind of does everything okay. Um, and I've, I've sort of been impressed with the way he has gone about it. He's, like you said, he accumulates sort of just in those sort of low 20s possession-wise. But he's okay defensively. Like, he can kill a contest and he can lay a tackle. So I think there's something to work with there. And I think you're definitely right. He's going to find himself probably in that late draft, maybe rookie area. And I think that's actually pretty good value for Melbourne. You're right. It's not going to cost him that much, and I think he's definitely worth a list spot, at least for a year or two, just to sort of see if he can develop a little bit more and come on a bit, uh, because his, his base sort of skill set in everything is is at a reasonable level. Um, and if he can just get some slight improvement, then I think there's an opportunity for him to be an AFL player. All right, so with uh, with that all done, what what's next in terms of draft and trading? Where do we go from here? Uh, well, there's still a couple of games um, to come in terms of uh, the championships. So, obviously, Victoria's been knocked out, like ruled out of playing, and, and New South Wales the same. Um, as we sort of mentioned off the top, Queensland-Tassie uh, combining to go play SA this Sunday. Um, and then SA get to play WA again because, you know, there aren't many other options around. But they're going to go do that, and then they've got some combines coming up, the testing where they all go out. They'll be doing sort of those state-based type combines hopefully every state will get to them uh eventually depending on lockdowns but um yeah they'll be doing those combines uh and then pretty much from there it'll really depend uh on where trade and you know picks end up uh because then it's the draft from that perspective uh once those combines are done um and yeah it's going to be a big off season we've already seen some of the uh trade rumours flying thick and fast they didn't wait too long after the grand final so it's going to be a, a long month or so I think from uh, that perspective but um, yeah yeah, I think it'll be a good good period so uh, yeah but from the kids they've got some champs then combines and drafts so and then they're back at it again uh, for next year Now before we wrap up as always it's, uh, it's time for week 5 or 6 of Neil Erasmus Watch now, there's been some discussion on the draft and trading board this week about how exactly to pronounce the abbreviation of Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus. Now, I've, I've had to, uh, some time this week to think about this, and I've canvassed some uh, opinions from noted professors of uh, the English language at the Adelaide University, and I'm reliably told it's pronounced B-phone. B-phone. Oh. So... Answering the big questions, glad to see. That's uh, uh, that, that's, that's all we've got this week. Resources. That's all yeah. we've got this week. There's no, no almost uh, still no response from uh, uh, Erasmus's management on uh, whether he can come onto the podcast, whether he wants to come onto the podcast, whether he even knows the podcast is here. You know, so uh, PM Bang is letting us all down there in that regard again. So uh, with that, modern artillery pie for life. Thank you very much for joining me this evening. Thanks for having us. Uh, It's been good. And uh, we'll catch you all a bit later on.